You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot. No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Sly as a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud to be a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at pigskinpodnet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN um, as we go live along with all of the other great podcasts that are part of this network. It is April. No, May. I knew I was going to mess that up. It is May 9th. Uh, We are dead in the middle of rookie season here. A lot of people have already fired up their drafts. We're going to do a little bit of rookie ADP talk today, as well as touching on some news. I've got Dennis here with me. Dennis, uh, it's been over a week now. It has. Uh, we uh we obviously weren't able to go live Friday. It feels like the whole world was dealing with some stomach bugs uh this past week as I was. How has everything been going for you? And uh what's going on? Well, everything is going good for me uh now. Um I didn't have a stomach bug like everybody else. I had a heart issue. So, I spent 5 days in the hospital while they tried to figure out why my ticker was working funny. And uh, it just started working normal again. So I've got like a bunch of stuff hooked up underneath this shirt, reading to this thing. I got to wear it for 30 days, taking a fistful of medicine. Uh, but God damn it, you guys are stuck with me. I ain't dead yet. Why? Wait, wait. Get a checkup. Go see your doctor. Yeah, for sure. We're we're glad that you're back. Uh, we didn't want to say anything about why you were out. So we were. I was wanting to wait till you got back. That's obviously... Uh, your business, but obviously it's very good to to have you back on here 
talking some fantasy football. Um, and definitely, I agree. Uh, you, you never know. So what, uh, as much as doctors scare me, they're, they, they're there, they do their jobs. That's why we pay them the big bucks to make sure that we are all stay healthy. So definitely get checked up. So Dennis, let's jump into the news. Uh, some very interesting signings have happened since we were last here. Let's start with Tyron Matthew to the Saints and Kyle Van Noy to the Chargers. Do either of these move the needle for you in an NFL sense? Well, I, I think that Matthew steps in where um, Malcolm Jenkins left off. He's going to take over that leadership role on the back end of the Saints defense. He's going to keep them together. They've got a good defense, you know, him and uh, uh, Cam Jordan, they're going to keep that team, that defense in line. And for all of the the sky is falling, it could be the end for the Saints. I think they may be set up to make a run this year. They went all in. They got him a new left tackle. Uh, they brought in Chris Olave. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens with Michael Thomas. But, man, Tyron Matthew has shown that he is a playmaker. He gets, he makes tackles. He covers people. He gets to the quarterback when needed. He causes turnovers. And if you want to, uh, uh, you know, we saw it last year. What was it in week one where Jameis Winston passed for, like, 142 yards and threw five touchdowns because the defense kept setting him up? Hey, the best way to keep Jameis from making turnovers is give him a short field. I think Tyron Matthew helps that. Yeah, I mean, they've, I mean, Dennis Allen, I think, wants to build a little bit around that defense. They clearly believe that they are contenders, as you just mentioned. A lot of the moves they've made is not uh, that of a team that believes they're rebuilding or a couple years away. They have been going all in uh, the past couple seasons, and they did so again this draft season. You know, for me, it's hard to put them above Tampa Bay, having Brady come back and, and everything on that team, but. We've talked a lot about it last year, and I think it's going to play out again this year with all those players moving from the NFC to the AFC, that the AFC is the tougher conference. I definitely could see the Saints being a team that sneak into the playoffs. At that point, all you got to do is get in the dance, and you never know what could happen. So I'm right there with you. I think it's a great signing for them. Not just from, I mean, I, I like the Honey Badger. He's a really good player, good leader, but I do think he helps solidify the back end of that defense. I like the Kyle Van Noy signing to the Chargers. Again, same thing. He just adds some depth and is a good leader to a team that is absolutely loaded this year. I may have been a year early on predicting them to make the playoffs. So though they were right there, only the stinking Raiders would have just taken the tie. Uh, that team is loaded with them bringing over Khalil Mack. They had a good draft. I mean, it's going to be a fun, fun team to watch this year. And adding Van Noy, I think... It's hard for me to still call them the. It's hard for me to say that they're the favorites in the AFC West because we know how good Russell Wilson is. And Denver has a really good roster, and then of course you have the Chiefs and Mahomes there, who are the you know reigning champions of the AFC West. You know, does does Van Noy kind of does that push him closer to the to the Chiefs? Like, how were you viewing the Chargers before the move? Well, the. It's going to be a very, very um, competitive division. Everybody in that division is making moves. And it's almost as if right now that the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos are like just kind of trying to put their teams together to beat each other because they, they know that there's one way in and it's win your division. Now, they, they could also put 
two wildcard teams in as well. So Van Noy does provide that depth. And we've seen Joey Bosa um, has a tendency to get hurt early in his career, be nicked up. Uh, I think Ingram is gone now. They've, they've put some pieces on that Chargers defense, but you always want to have a veteran leader that can get after the quarterback. And I think Van Noy is a guy that puts pressure on the quarterback, even if he doesn't always convert it, convert them into sacks. Yeah, I, I even kind of forgot about the Joey Bosa side there with with him being um, injured as much as he has. I and mean, again, the depth there, it's it's going to be the Chargers. I mean, I've, I've been a big fan of Justin Herbert, so I'm really excited with that team. And again, as you just mentioned, that entire division, because they're all loading up and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch those four teams kind of battle it out to get that AFC West crown. Oh, and uh, I this forgot is, Khalil Mack being there too. Yeah, so yeah, they just yeah, they, they traded yeah. for him. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be such a good team. I hope. I hope. Uh, this is a little bit of an old story, but again, we have not been live since this happened. A lot of, I don't know if you want to say news, but a lot of I guess eyebrows were raised at this uh, when Ryan Tannehill had a press conference last week, and he said that it's not his job to mentor Malik Willis. We saw a lot of it. It was kind of 50-50, right? There are a lot of people saying, oh, I can't believe he'd say that. Then the other half kind of going, the same thing we've seen from a lot of these older veteran players who said it's not their job to do that. Kind of what were your take, or what was your take on him doing that? And do you think this is the end for Tannehill in Tennessee? Oh, I think it's always been the, you know, we're in the final act uh, for Tannehill in Tennessee. I think that's just where it's been. Um, you know, Tannehill's job is to win football games. I don't think Tannehill is going to keep secrets from Malik Willis. I don't think he is going to try to sabotage Malik Willis. Uh, I do think that they will have constructive conversations about what it takes to play quarterback in the NFL. And even if it's not, you know, sitting down, Stephen Covey, seven habits of highly effective people, mentorship, mentorship happens. It just does. You're a 21, 22, sometimes 20 year old rookie going in there with a 34, five, six year old grizzled veteran. It just happens. Um, I like to, so I'm going to, the analogy I use is my 17 year old son, who's got one more year of high school and he's super smart. And I've talked to him about, look, in elementary school, you had to write a sentence or two. And then you got to the end of elementary and you had to write a paragraph and you get to junior high and you've got to write a full single page paper and you get to high school and you've got to write, you know, a three page paper and he's doing college work. And I'm like, you got to be more detailed as you level up. It becomes more about who's responsible for learning and less about who's responsible for teaching. And when you get to the NFL, there are certainly teachers. You've got quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators, veteran quarterbacks, veteran backups to help mentor people. Um, but it's upon the rookie to learn. He has to make the strides. He's got to figure it out. He's got to know how to study and figure out how to study and a lot of that is just going to come through observation because he's good and he thinks he's ready. And like, I remember in my career, young in my career, you probably went through it young in your career thinking, look, if you give me the job, I'll figure it out before you've got a reason to fire me. 
I'll figure it out before you got a reason to fire me. So Malik Willis, he's going to be fine. Ryan Tannehill is going to do a fine job mentoring him. Um, will it always be, you know, cupcakes and lollipops? Maybe, maybe not. But to say, is that his job? It's not. It's it's his job to win games. And I think Tannehill recognizes that part of his, part of helping that team win games is also making sure that his backups know the game plan. Yeah, I've always thought that that stuff gets a little bit overblown because it, I think what some people forget to realize is that this is a job. Like, it is an entertainment thing, and we look at it from a fantasy football perspective, but this is Ryan Tannehill's job. And you just mentioned it, right? Like, same thing. Yeah, when I got my when I job, the place that I'm at right now 10 years ago is the same thing. I'd never done anything like this. It's like, hey, well, you know what? I'll figure it out, as you said, before they fire me. Tannehill doesn't want to get fired and he doesn't want to get replaced. I mean, just imagine it. If you're sitting there right now listening to this, whether it's Tuesday morning, whatever, and your boss walks in and says, hey, we brought this young kid in and we're going to pay him a little bit less than you. We think he might be better than you. We want him. We want you to train him to do your job. You're not going to feel great about that because you don't want to lose your job. Tannehill is not going to sabotage him. Like you said, that's a great way of wording it. He's not going to go out of his way and, and tell Malik the wrong play calls or anything like that. And, and Malik's going to understand, too. Malik's a football player. He knows coverages and this and that. But I think what Tannehill is trying to say is like he's not going to go out of his way to do things for Malik. If Malik comes up and asks him questions, Ryan Tannehill's not going to pretend like he didn't see him. Like, oh, hey, did somebody hear that? Or walk up to uh, Traylon Burks and be like, hey, can you tell Malik that I'm not going to talk to him? Like, Tannehill is a professional. He's going to answer questions. He's going to help Malik if he asks. But I think what he's trying to say, or maybe you could have articulated better, is that he's not going to go out of his way to help Malik take his job, which is a fair thing to say. I, I don't think anybody should criticize him for that. And I think he sees the writing on the wall, too. They don't. It doesn't have to mean that Malik's going to be the future either. They took him in the third round, not the first round. It, it's a little bit different, in my opinion. I think. Tennessee looks at it and says, hey, look, we see Malik. We know his upside. We know the tools that he has, and he could be it for us if everything hits. But he's also a third-round pick, and if it doesn't hit, we've got Tannehill signed through 25. We can keep him if we want him. So I don't. I do think Malik is going to be the future. Obviously, I think it's 20. Is it the out? Yeah, there's an out after 23. So in a season, they can get out from underneath them. If they do it before, then it's like an $18 million cap hit. I don't see the Tennessee Titans taking that when the guy we're about to talk about here and the Browns won't even do that for Baker Mayfield, and they've royally messed up that situation. And they're about to pay him $18 million because of the uh, the option, the fifth-year option at quarterback. So I don't think they're moving on from Tannehill quite yet. I think it was a little bit overblown. But again, I think some of that too is – it's May 9th. There's really nothing going on. We're not going to get rookie mini camps till next week. So any little piece of NFL news we get, people are going to kind of overreact. Just like that Kenneth Walker one-handed catch the other day, where now he deserves to be RB1 and probably is like an RB1 in fantasy now because he, he made a one-handed catch in practice. Speaking of Baker Mayfield, a lot of the links were for him going to either Carolina or Seattle on draft day. Pete Carroll has come out and said that they are not looking to trade for a veteran quarterback. What does this mean for Baker? Because we know Carolina went and got Marat. Marat. 
that's mixing them together. Matt Corral, which I don't, I doesn't technically, I take, I guess, take them out of the race for Baker, but I think it kind of limits that. And then if Pete Carroll is being serious, granted, he said they weren't going to trade Russell Wilson and they did. If they're not going after Baker. What, what's going to happen with them? You know, Baker, it wouldn't. So the salary cap is what the salary cap is, and they could probably ride it out for this year. And we've seen after a year uh, of, you know, out of sight, out of mind, some of these guys, you know, Trubisky, um, Sean Watson, you know, now Granite Watson actually performed at a really high level. Uh, they, the absence makes the heart grow fonder. And sometimes you got to be patient. And it sucks for Baker because I think Baker believes that he's, a top tier quarterback. Um, and while I think Baker's a pretty good quarterback, I think he's kind of middle of the pack. Does it mean he's not going to be a starter again in the NFL? I don't think so. Does it mean Seattle's not going to trade for a veteran quarterback? I think if you watch Pete Carroll, you know it definitely means there's a strong possibility, possibility that they'll trade for a veteran quarterback. But teams I, I keep I hate to keep comparing the NFL to fantasy, but it seems like teams are starting to employ some of the strategies. Well, I'm just going to ride out this season with these two shitty quarterbacks that I have, build up some draft capital, maybe sell off a couple players and get some additional draft capital. And, and then next year when there's a better class and I've got more draft picks, I'm going to add some more talent to my team. Maybe, maybe that's the approach. Um, you know, we've seen Locke win games. We've seen Geno win a few games. I don't think either one is going to set the world on fire. And frankly, Baker might probably be better than both of them. But if the Browns don't want to give him up for peanuts, then I could see him holding on, making him inactive all season regardless of whether or not uh, Deshaun Watson has a um, gets a suspension. So it's a tough situation for Baker, and he's not going to serve himself well by being difficult about it. You know, he can, he can say, I really, you know, when people ask him, he can say, yeah, I would prefer to be traded. I would like a fresh start. The team has made a fresh start. I think it's fair for me to get a fresh start. But the team can also say, look, we we investigated um, or we invested X amount of capital in you and we're not just going to give you away for nothing. Hey, hey, there's the prodigal son. It's been a fun, fun time. Never agree to be the uh, director of operations for a 227,000 square foot building. Oh, I thought you lost the power at home. No, I was on my way out, and and the all of the downtown core blew out, and two of our buildings dropped off, and all of our alarms started going off, and we had to figure out where to move people. We realized our magnetic doors all let go, so they were just wide open. So fortunately, it came back, and I was like, "Peace." <laughs> sounds like a sounds like an interesting Monday. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you on on Baker, and and I've I've kind of kicked back a little bit on the uh, 
I think a lot of people are getting excited about the 2023 class. I don't know that it's going to be any better at quarterback. The only thing holding it together right now is CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. I don't know that anybody takes that step up behind those two. So granted, yeah, you're likely going to get two guys, no offense to Kenny Pickett, but I think are infinitely better than him and going to be top five picks at worst. But then outside of that, I don't know that anybody else steps up right now. Obviously, we've got a year before that happens. And if nobody does, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the NFL react the way they did this year and try and bring in veterans. I like Drew Locke. I was was very high on him coming out. Thought he had a chance to be really good. I don't think it's unfair to say that Baker Mayfield is better than him. We've seen it on the field that he's been better than him. If Seattle doesn't want him and Cleveland doesn't cut him, which I don't think they should, but I think they will, then why not just let him ride it out until this season's over with in case, as you mentioned, we don't know what what Watson's uh, suspension is going to be. If Watson's out, say he misses eight or nine games, eight to ten games, and Baker Mayfield comes in and as a professional comes back out there and wins you some games, that's only going to increase his value for himself at that point. And then if he's able to go in as a free agent, if this quarterback class does not move itself up outside of C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, I think that he could be in line for a pretty decent payday down the line next year if a team decides they'd rather go that route. Because I really believe we are going to start seeing more often than not quarterbacks going in the second and third round in the NFL draft if they are not elite because these teams can now get them on cheaper contracts. It makes it easier for them to build the teams around those guys. And if they don't like them, they can get out from them much quicker and much cheaper than grabbing these guys in the first round that they're not sure are going to pan out. So if I'm Baker, I'm sitting there, I'm showing up to camp. You know, I'm obviously a little pissed off with the way the Browns handled the situation, but pull your big boy pants on, act like a professional, go out there. And if you're given the chance to play, you play and you play well with that team you're only going to increase the stock for yourself and get yourself paid next year. Matt, you have any thoughts on uh, Baker Mayfield here and Drew Locke? Yeah, you know, what's interesting, so I'm part of a lot of Broncos fan groups. One of the people in the Broncos fan groups actually posted a story that said Geno Smith is leading the quarterback competition with Drew Locke at this point in time, which kind of just made me laugh. I don't know if if Pete is completely off base saying Locke would have been one of the higher picks if he was in this quarterback class, a lot of people freaked out about that, but this quarterback class, obviously the NFL wasn't high on because we saw that where they went in the actual NFL draft. I am not actually surprised Seattle's not making a move. I think if I was Seattle and I assessed where I was in the NFC West, which is probably, I heard you guys uh, while I was driving in almost just as, competitive as the AFC West does getting Baker alone move the needle for them. I think that they are probably in a place where they'd be better off trying to in a multi-year rebuild. And that's where they need to think about, do you move a DK Metcalf? Do you move a Tyler Lockett? Do you move one of these veteran pieces to try to get some more capital? Because I don't think they're really good enough to compete. I would say they're the fourth best team in their own division. And even though the NFC is weaker, that's not great. So does it matter that much? Are you splashing out to get 
Baker right now. But for Baker, it's got to be crushing because it seems like Carolina decided they didn't want to do it when they traded back in and grabbed Corral. And now Seattle doesn't seem all that interested. So the places for him to go are kind of dropping off. Yeah, I, I think with Carolina, the issue is um, Matt Rule didn't see Baker as a way to save his job if he struggles. Whereas if he's got a if he's got Darnold struggling and then he goes to a rookie, I think he feels like he can talk himself into another year. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of the reports are it's because Cleveland doesn't want to eat that much money. And if they want to get rid of Baker, they're going to have to. There's no team that's going to take him and take the money. So I I, I think he's either going to end up getting cut or, or stay with Cleveland. Uh, the NFL announced its international slate. And I believe the entire schedule is this Thursday, right? So the yep. entire schedule drops this week. Uh, you've got... The London games this year are October 2nd. You get the Saints at the Vikings. October 9th, the Packers at the Giants. And October 30th, Broncos at the Jaguars. This is the first year that we get a game in Germany. And it is the Buccaneers and the Seahawks. Why they sent the Buccaneers Seahawks, I have no idea. That's gonna be it was good. good on paper until this summer. Yeah, I guess that's true. Mexico will be... Um, the 49ers and the Cardinals, and then the Monday night double header is Titans, Bills, followed by Vikings. Oh, so they're bringing back the Monday night double header again. That's important. yeah, but not on opening weekend, which I thought was interesting. I didn't it's even week two. Oh, yeah, September 19th. Hmm, interesting. Uh, before we jump into the uh ADP here for rookies, any of those games really stand out to you, Dennis, that you're excited about? You know, I'm excited about all of them because I love football. I mean, if I could get a 9 a.m. game every Sunday, I would be excited as hell. Give me football from 9 a.m. to midnight every Sunday. Yeah, man. So, you know, the Saints are going to be interesting against the Vikings because we believe the Saints are going to be be good. And the Vikings have a, have a new coach as well. And they've got Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. They've got a high-powered offense. You know, the Packers, I, I think there's, there's, you know, on October 9th, you're still trying to figure out, does Christian Wat Watson elevate this wide receiver core? So I think that's going to be something. Against the Giants, the answer is probably yes. Um, the Jaguars and Broncos, you know, all of them, I think, are going to be good enough games and in markets that are going to be excited about having them there. Uh, I do think it's interesting that they, they took uh, AFC West teams um, that are fairly close to Mexico and put them in Mexico. So I don't know if next year it would be, uh, excuse me, NFC West teams. They may go AFC West just to, if they're trying to, to grow the game in the region by using the well, uh, the proximity effect to well, you root for this team because they're they're the closest team to you, kind of approach that doesn't really work with Europe, but it could work with Mexico. Yeah, not to take the cop out answer, but I'm with you. We were just talking earlier before the show, and then now that it's May 9th and and everything's kind of getting blown out of proportion with any little news morsel drops for the NFL, like I'm ready for college football to be here, NFL football to be here, because it goes so quickly. 
too. And it, it's going to make me miss it, but I'm excited. You know what? One of my takeaways is, is um, traditionally the teams that have played an international game are granted the ability to have a bye week uh, the week following. So when you're looking at that slate, it might give you an idea of some of the sad places that some of these better fantasy teams will have their buys late later in the year, especially I was looking at like a Tampa Bay going uh, November 13th. If they were out the following week, that's probably right in the stretch run of your season. And I looked at if they allow the two teams that go to Mexico to take a bye week, that might be the week of Thanksgiving, which is usually week 12. So before we move on to rookie ADP, breaking news, not necessarily a major thing, but I think it just continues to add a bigger headache for us at a position in fantasy football. Sony Michelle is signing with the Dolphins. Um, so adding another running back to an already crowded running back room. Matt, any quick thoughts on that? I think for me that means I'm pretty much totally out on Gaskin and Mostert. Um, cause Chase Edmonds probably at least is going to be part of the rotation, but you think if they're signing Michelle. Yeah, I, I think Michelle is going to probably be their third back behind Edmonds and Mostert. Uh, it'll be him and Gaskin, depending, I think on what they do. Um, I, I think he's a, an insurance policy kind of running back. Um, I don't know. I would expect that somebody's not making it out of camp, um, whether it's Michelle or whether it's Raheem Mostert or Miles Gaskin, Salvan Ahmed, uh, but somebody's not going to make it out of camp. Yeah, more than likely. All right, so let's talk a little bit about rookie ADPs. I mentioned at the top of the show A lot of drafts have probably been going off like crazy and still a ton more to go as we move closer into the summer. Matt, I'll throw it to you first. What has been the biggest surprise for you so far, the the biggest surprise you've seen? You know, I think the thirst and desperation for running backs is real. Um, I've seen James Cook go as as high as 103, um, usually because – Hall and Walker go. I actually saw somebody go and pull Damon Pierce at 107 um, just because the other three running backs were gone. I've seen Spiller go up in the in the first round. And if you have done any rookie drafts lately on Sleeper, Spiller is still because usually their um, ADP, their list of rookies um, realigns according to ADP is still going up there. So running back reaching uh, is happening a lot. It's been fascinating to see. I don't think receivers have gone in the same place in any of the 11 drafts I've done so far. And quarterback values are all over the board. So just like the actual NFL draft was wildly unpredictable, rookie drafts have been wildly unpredictable. Yeah, Sleeper's ADP has Spiller at RB6, uh, 135 overall. Um but let's see what's that putting puts him well into the third round um for rookie rookie drafts and i i'll be honest i'm i'm starting to buy back into spiller i think he's a good back i think he could be just a little bit bigger david montgomery 
You know, he's got good enough vision. He's a talented runner. He catches the ball well. He's a little bit bigger than than Montgomery. And I'm starting to warm back up to uh, him at the end of the first round. More, I, I, I like him more in the, the early second, I think, because I do think there's going to be some waiting time before he gets a fairly significant uh, workload. But it wouldn't surprise me if in two years, three years, so let's see, it, it wouldn't surprise me if in 2024 that Austin Eckler is gone from the Chargers. Yeah, you mentioned James Cook. That's kind of a big one for me. Um, we talked a lot about it on draft night. I, I said that I thought he was going to be this year's CEH. Maybe he doesn't jump up to 1-1 one, one overall in drafts, but you just said you saw him go 1-3, which is pretty damn close. Like It's one of those things where I think he gets, he gets put into a good offense. It's not that I think Cook's a bad player, because I do think he's a good player. We just saw over the past couple years, Allen, I believe it was average like 55 passes a year to running backs. I don't know that changes much just because James Cook is there. Singletary is not going away. I don't think he's going to get a ton of run there either. And I also think when they get down at the goal line, Josh Allen's still going to be one of their quote-unquote goal line backs. Like He's going to get some rushing touchdowns. So Cook is a guy that I've seen going way too high. Pierce is kind of right there with me too. Like I hate to say this because I've been one of the people saying like I think Pierce could take that job, but Marlon Mack did kind of look good. I I don't know that he's just completely dead there in Houston. They've got a couple other guys there. I can't remember off the top of my head who, but okay. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just don't know that Pierce comes in there and immediately takes over that role and all of a sudden becomes the RB1 for Houston. Even if he does, do we think that team's going to be that good offensively, that he's going to end up being that high? Like maybe he comes in as a low RB2 because he gets you some touchdowns. So, those are two guys on the running back side of things. That that seems to be the one position that's getting boosted the most, especially in single QB leagues. Um, I've seen Malik Willis go in the first round some. That's still, I think that's a stretch. I, I don't think I can take anybody but Pickett. Now, I'm not even that big a fan of Pickett, even in super flex leagues. I just, I don't think you can take him uh, outside or inside the first round. I just, I don't see the argument for it. Um, so re regarding Pickett, where did we draft David Carr or Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, when he, I guess Cousins wasn't a viable rookie because they drafted RG3, but Derek Carr, do you remember where we were drafting him? Because to me, that's, that's the kind of guy, that's the kind of ceiling I think uh, projects for Kenny Pickett. Uh, he may he may be able to, in the right situation, give you a low-end QB1 season, but I think he's a middling QB2, which is great in Superflex. There's definitely a place for it. But I think uh, drafting, drafting with unrealistic expectations could be, could be tough there. And so I don't hate Pickett later in the first. Um, especially if I feel like I'm I'm pretty well set at other positions, but I'm probably not going to draft him before probably 108 because I feel like there's the top seven picks, five, five wide receivers, two running backs are all ahead of him. Yeah, that's where I, where I am. There's seven, seven players I would take before I take a quarterback. 
Um, I've been surprised at where quarterbacks have kind of bounced around. Pickett usually goes in the first round of super flex drafts. Sometimes you'll see people reach up for Ritter. Um, Ritter seems to be the the second one going off the board. And then Willis, Corral go later. Um, You know, I've seen Howell going at the end of drafts, and I think that's probably because people have taxi squads and desperation. Um, But it's, it's definitely been fascinating. I actually think where Corral, I've seen him going in drafts, feels like a value to me because he might have an easier path to getting on the field, you know, facing Darnold and PJ Walker than even um, Ritter or Willis. Yeah, I'm with you on the one eight. That's probably the earliest I'm taking Pickett because I, I don't see, I don't even see a QB 15 type season for him. Like maybe it happens because of how good that team is around him. He is he's got enough mobility that maybe he gets you a couple rushing touchdowns like cousins did a couple times in Minnesota. You know, he's got Deontay, he's got Claypool, he's got farm. He's got Najee. Who's a really good receiver out of the backfield. So maybe he just boosts himself up to a top 15 QB season because of the touchdowns, but I don't even think he gets a top 12. And it's crazy to me because you mentioned like a Derek Hart. Well, you can go back a year in Mac Jones, who was getting taken right. at like two Oh one. And I remember even a year before that when nobody even believed in a guy named Justin Herbert who was getting drafted in the second round of most Superflex super flex leagues as well. And now you look at this and you're like, I have to reach for Pickett, though, because I don't think there's any chance he falls into the second round. So I'm with you. If you want him, you've got to take him in that 107-108 range. And I think I'd rather, at this point, you know, Matt mentioned earlier with Seattle and Baker Mayfield. I think I'd take that exact same approach. And Dennis, you may have mentioned this earlier when we were talking about different stuff with the quarterbacks. Like, I think I'm taking that approach with my fantasy team now as well. It's like, unless I'm seriously competing and I just need a QB2, I think I'm just going to take the better player and it's not going to be Pickett and then just bank on trying to get a guy next year and and see what happens there because I just don't think Pickett's going to be that big of a game changer. Uh, based on sleeper, uh, Matt, what you mentioned, Desmond Ritter does seem to be the second QB coming off the board, followed by Willis Corral, and then how I still would take a shot on Ritter. I've seen him going back end of the second. I just don't think there's any other guys. I'm like at that point. I think already in this draft, because in my opinion, it's not as strong as we thought it was coming into the draft. I already feel like. In my opinion, once you get to like two, 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 three, you're in. Grab your guys, grab your guy mode, and just see what happens. You're taking dart throws at that point. I'm fine taking Ritter there because I think there's a shot he plays this year. And at that point, I'm just hoping, as we talked about on the draft day coverage, uh, when I was trying to convince Colin and Jared that it wasn't a horrible pick by the Falcons. I think at that point, I'm just trying to move him once he has a couple good games because we've seen even up until last year, people were still paying first round picks for Sam Darnold because in a super flex league, that QB value is just so overinflated. So I would definitely still take a shot on Ritter because I think he's got a shot to play uh, this year. Outside of that, with how high Malik is going, I'm not. And then, it, like you mentioned, Corral, how, I mean, they're going so late at this point, I wouldn't mind uh, taking them. Dennis, who's someone uh, who's someone's stock that you've seen rise throughout this uh, rookie draft season? Well, besides uh, the aforementioned James Cook, um, you know, for for me, I think Tyler Algier is moving up. He's moving, you know, up from the third round into the, the late to mid second. But it's all opportunity based. It's kind of like Damian Pierce. 
we look at him and say, well, I don't think this is a long-term back, but also hashtag two to three year window. What are we really buying running backs for? So I think Tyler Algier is moving up into the second round uh, based on his opportunity. Zamir White, I think, well, he, he was somebody that was uh, up in the top five for people. I don't think he's going there right now. Uh, I really, let's see. Rashad White is climbing a little bit. George Pickens is the guy. Pickens is weird because he had that peculiar draft day picture. There's talk about his diva personality off the field. Uh, but, man, the dude is just so talented. I mean, would it shock anybody if in two years we're all sitting here talking about George Pickens as the best wide receiver out of this class? Um, no, he's got the upside to do it. He, he's He's got that. It also wouldn't shock anybody if if uh, we were talking about George Pickens as the the early Ant- early Antonio Brown meltdown, um, because he he's got a little bit of a, a reputation. Um, John Mechie is creeping up a little bit. I think people were pretty far down on him, maybe a half around. It you know my comp for Mechie was peak Juju. I think that's his ceiling. And I think if you're getting, you know, 90, 95 catches uh, out of Mechie, even if he's not getting, a, you know, 14 or 15 yards per reception, he can definitely be productive in that that slot juju Jarvis Landry kind of role. And I think he could he, he could really surprise uh, in Houston this year. I think, you know, Dennis touched on a few people that have definitely bounced up, but I'm going to hit on, you know, we talked about Cook, but one that is fascinating to me is Sky Moore is just vaulting up um, because of his landing spot with the Chiefs. It's like we learned nothing from CEH or Nicole Hardman or any variety of other Chiefs players. I've seen him go as high as 104. People are taking him over Jamison Williams and Garrett Wilson. Um He's definitely, I would think, by ADP, has to have moved past Chris Olave at this point in time. And I liked more going into the draft, and I think it's a decent landing spot. There are a lot of people that just think he's going to explode in some Tyreek Hill way, and you're banking a lot if you're taking him way high in the first round. I liked him when I thought he was going to be in the back half of the first round, but it's kind of high. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually I like the Pickens call. Um, so from everything I've seen, he's still going like right around the one twelve to two three range. I feel comfortable taking him there because you're right, Dennis. Like we know he's got the off field stuff, and you've got to be worried about that. But I do think the if you wanted to look on the positive side of things, I mean, we know Pittsburgh has the reputation for developing wide receivers, and we see now. What AB was like not under a guy like Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin is the perfect head coach for a guy like Pickens to go to who might be able to keep him a little bit more focused on the game, keep all the off-field stuff off there. So you're taking a guy possibly a 2-2, 2-3 that you, as you just mentioned, could we we could be talking about in three years being the best player in this class. I mean, that's an absolute steal. So he's a guy with the rise I, I like. On the RBs, you mentioned all of them, so I'm just going to ask you guys. Based on the ADP, going off the board, um, Cook's the only one with a first-round ADP. The rest of these guys, mostly second. James Cook, 
Rashad White, Damian Pierce, Isaiah Spiller, Tyler Algier. Out of those five, who would you be buying? You know, I'm buying all of them relative to their price. I'm aiming for um, Damian Pierce, 203-ish. If I can get him there, I'm, I'm hitting it every time. Um, I don't know if I can pull the trigger on Cook in the first round. Um, I saw somebody posted something on Twitter a week or two ago, and they kind of – they didn't call – they said Cook was not a satellite back because he runs well inside the tackles. But it's like how many – how much can – how much volume can you expect him to get there? He does run well inside the tackles and he's explosive and he catches the ball. Well, so he's, he's a small three down potential back. If he puts on seven pounds, eight pounds and gets up to, you know, 206, 207, 208, he, he could potentially have a two year run or three year run. Um, but I'm I, I'm trying to get Algier based on vol, volume expectation late in the second. Isaiah Spiller, I'm willing to go early second on Isaiah Spiller right now because I, I think I'm coming back around on him. Yeah, for me, I think the only backs I was in on the first in being the first round was Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. I was borderline about whether I thought I would take James Cook at the end of the first round and where he's pulled up now. You know, like the first draft I did, he went 104. And I was like, oh, I can tell I'm not going to have any shares of James Cook because that's just the value in this draft to me was that wide receiver group. Um, so I just don't I don't see that. Uh, happening for me. Um, And if Sky Moore keeps going up farther, I'm going to take the discount. I've gotten Garrett Wilson at 109 in a couple of places. I'm going to take Garrett Wilson at 109 all day before I'm going to try to trade up to 104 to get more. Man, Garrett Wilson was on the clock at 107 in the Dynasty Nerds Dynasty Trade Calculator League, and I tried to get the – I was at 108. I tried to get that up spot one. Man, I didn't – didn't even respond. He just made the pick. You know, I get it because after Wilson, it was a drop. It, that's the teardrop right yeah. there. So I'm like, man, I, I get it. But yeah, I think I got him at 106 in one of mine. Um, for me, it'd be Algier just because he's going later than all of them. For the most part, he's right there with Isaiah Spiller. And I think I'd take him as much, even though I think Spiller is the better running back. I think I'm taking Algier there because, as Dennis said, most of the time you're looking at these guys two, three year windows and as of right now, Algier looks like he could be primed to be the Falcons' lead back for at least the next couple of years, and, and I can move on from him quickly if I need to. Uh, so we're running a little bit long here, so let's get in our just last one really quick because we, we've already kind of talked about guys we're out on based on where they're going to the drafts and, and James Cook and Sky Moore. Who's a late-round pick or two, Dennis, that you have as a value or as a value to you and that you would stash? So – I was in on Sam Howell, and in the fourth round, I'm going to be back in on Sam Howell if I can get him in the mid to late fourth, um, it, just because nobody wants him. I'm working on an article about this quarterback class. should be out within the week. Um, I like Kyron Williams still. I think he's still a very talented back, and he's sliding to the late third, fourth round. I'm happy to grab him there. Um, and I think probably the biggest one, that people are just like, ah, 
He's old. You can't do it. <laughs> is Velas Jones. He's a dynamic player, and he's got opportunity. There's Darnell Mooney there, and and then it's it's open. He can take that job, and he's fast. He can get down the field. He's got decent size. I get it. He's 25 years old. Um, you know, he's already on the Grecian formula. That that that's okay because I want one contract out of it. Give it, give him five years. You know. Dose up on the Metamucil, comb the mustache with the Grecian formula. It's not dead. I don't think anyone on this panel should be giving grief to somebody being old who's 25. <laughs> I'm just going to say that might be football old, but you're definitely not old, Develis. Don't, don't let them write you. Um, I have a... Uh, piece that it may, it may have already published on Canvas to Can, either that or it's coming, where I looked at a couple of late rounds. I kind of focused on guys that I wouldn't be, sorry, uh, taking a flyer on. I think, you know, Matt said it, when you get past 2-3, two, 2-4, two, it's grab your guys or just got, grab guys you think might be upside. This isn't, you're going to find solid gold. So, you, so when I'm in the third and fourth rounds, I'm looking for somebody who can sit on my taxi squad or somebody that has potential. And there's a couple I'm going to highlight. One is uh, Keontae Ingram. Uh, he went in the sixth round to the Cardinals, but we've seen sixth round running back as recently as last year end up being a starter behind James Conner. They have Eno Benjamin, Jonathan Ward, and Jalen Samuels. I think there's there's opportunity there. Now, they could sign a veteran back, and that'll lampoon everything. They could pick somebody up. But for now, that's a guy that I'm grabbing and stashing. And then one that I think, uh, Matt, you and I talked about last week is Jeremy Ruckert. Um, he's a decently talented tight end. Takes a couple of years. He went to a place in the Jets that just invested in a couple of veterans. But Tyler Conklin and C.J. Uzoma aren't exactly – Mike Gusecki. So I think there's some potential there. They're building something in New York. Still a lot to figure out in terms of passing volume and targets. They have a couple pass catching running backs. They have like five receivers now, but he's somebody that's going later that, that I would be interested in grabbing and throwing on a taxi squad. Yeah. So I've got a couple running backs and one wide receiver. My one wide receiver is Calvin Austin. Uh, I've liked him for a while Just now. I can't. Well, I would have had he not landed with And you should carry him around in your pocket. Hey, that's all right. He's dynamic, too. He's going to make me look good. He's going to make me look faster than I am. None of Uh, these guys are ever going to appear on the show. I know. (laughs) But I I love Deontay. We've seen Pittsburgh doesn't like to pay these wide receivers, and I think Deontay is going to command a decent contract. If they don't pay him, Calvin Austin slides right into that slot role. We heard everything, I mean, from guys like Jared, Ray, who we've talked about here, guys who played college football. They know how to watch film. They were at the Senior Bowl, right? Jared was there for Dynasty Nerds. Ray was there for Destination Deadly. Both guys, go back and look at their tweets, said one of the most impressive players to them during that Senior Bowl week was Calvin Austin with the way he was able to separate against some of the best players there. I know he's small, but he never dealt with injuries throughout college everybody's worried about him being the next Rondale Moore. What was one thing that Rondale Moore had happened to him a lot in college? He dealt with injuries. He also did not, again, land on a team that clearly just doesn't know how to use him. We've seen what Pittsburgh's able to do for these wide receivers, and he's going after Vellis Jones, who you just mentioned. I'm fine taking a stab on him there in the fourth round because, again, 
in a, in a team that's shown they know how to develop these guys, I'm willing to take them. Running back, um, I'm going to save my favorite guy for last. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco is interesting to me. He's a guy that I liked coming out of college. He, he goes to um, Kansas City. We know that they really, in my opinion, don't have a set guy in place. He could end up maybe getting some run. And again, I'm just looking to flip him if he has a couple good games. Jerome Ford is the interesting one to me. And I don't know if he's getting buried just because they have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb there. But Kareem Hunt's contract's done after this season. I don't think they're bringing him back. Jerome Ford seems the perfect replacement for Kareem Hunt because he's a good receiver. He's very explosive. He's a guy that I would be happy to get in the third round, especially if I have Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt to back him up. And then last but not least, the guy that I've talked about a ton at this point is Abram Smith. Perfect landing spot in, in New Orleans. Right now he's behind, you know, you're talking about how old Vellis Jones is. I mean, look at Mark Ingram, for goodness sake. So I don't know Mark Ingram. He, he kind of looked like he was on his last leg to begin with. Um, I know a lot of people are big fans of Tony Jones. I don't necessarily think he's that good. And Abram Smith signed one of the highest undrafted free agent contracts we've seen in the past couple years. I think it's because they know he's good. He also played a ton on special teams for Baylor and played running back. So I think that's why he'll make the team to begin with. And my argument for this player a long time ago, and it ended up working out for me, is because they were a special teams player, and if they get on the field, they're going to make some noise, was Philip Lindsay, And I think that exactly is what Aaron Smith is going to do here. He's going to impress in camp because of what he can do on special teams. And once he gets on the field, he's the perfect complement to Alvin Kamara. Am I saying he's going to be Mark Ingram? No. But would I be surprised if they use him in that grinder role and he ends up getting a bunch of touchdowns and finishes as a top 24 RB once? Not at all. And he's a guy you could get. He's still going in the fourth round of rookie drafts. I think is an absolute – you've got to take that guy there. Like for me, Matt mentioned Keontae Ingram, so I, I wasn't going to – those are the guys though that I'm targeting at the end of my rookie drafts because I want running backs because, again, that position is so volatile when it comes to injuries – that any one of these guys, even a Snoop Connor in Jacksonville with uh with 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 Robinson being out, you know, I don't know that Tyler Batty's ever gonna do anything, but Tyler Batty and Bolt, like you want to take shots on those guys in the third and fourth round because all it takes is one injury and those guys become fantasy relevant, like Khalil Herbert did last year, who put up three weeks of fantasy one uh, fantasy one games at RB. You can end up moving him for that or for a high end pick. So Abram Smith, though, is the guy that I've, I've been all in on. He was my RB7, I think, coming into the draft, and I think he's got the talent. Still surprised he did not get drafted. While we're here, some NFL team needs to sign Philip Lindsay. Agreed. Agreed. Saddens, saddens me what, what happened. All right, so anything else before we get out of here? Well, this show is not sponsored by Grecian Formula. It is not, unfortunately. I just, I did just see the email. That's, uh, that's unfortunate. But uh, you know, that's all right. You know, sponsor could be you if you're watching. Just, just reach out. We um possibly on Friday. Matt and myself can talk a little Doctor Strange because I did see it. I'm, I'm ready. I've seen. Oh my goodness! Some crazy things happened. I need to talk to somebody about it. So. We might do that on Friday because I well we'll have the schedule so we'll definitely talk a lot about the schedule yep. and then if any other crazy news comes we'll talk that and then I guess we'll plan on 
you know, blocking off the end of the show for, for Doctor Strange in the multiverse. There's again. nothing that Dennis loves more than when we do Marvel Corner Crazy. so that he can bring but his. I enjoy the Marvel movies as much as anybody else. I just don't have the bandwidth to connect them all together. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. Well, maybe so you still have a few days to see Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah, that's your homework assignment. You've got till Friday. You've got till Friday. Well. <laughs> All right, everybody, we will uh, be back on Friday to likely, unless something major happens, discuss the schedule dropping on Thursday, and we'll talk a little bit of the uh, pop culture corner with Marvel's Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Everybody have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone! Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!